0: Hey, it's Jeff. Uh, Really excited about this message on God's government. Um, I go over the uh, importance of the throne of David and why uh, Jesus came to uh, reestablish it and reign from that um, and what our role is in all that. So in today's culture and climate, um, I'm just excited to be passionate about um, our contribution to God's reign on the earth and uh, what that looks like. Uh, So I pray that this message would impact you. Um, and activate you to engage uh, yourself with the Lord. Whoo. How we doing? Man, Rachel, uh, you read out of, Re- where's Rachel at? There you are. You read out of Revelation? You and Taylor playing that little that little song together? Did you talk about that before you were doing that? No, look, look at God. <laughs> Man, that fits right into what I'm talking about tonight awesome. I'm going to read exactly. Taylor, what, do you remember exactly what you're Where's Taylor? Do you remember exactly what you're singing? Um, <laughs> um, uh, break break the scroll, who's worthy? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to read that so you guys have some clarity on what we what we did in worship. Um, and we've talked about past few weeks we're going through our values um and we've talked about love honor uh healthy boundaries and i'm talking about god's government today and i've been sitting on that for like a couple weeks knowing i was going to talk about it and i was like man how do you that's a really weighty subject you could go like a thousand different avenues and talking about the government like God's government how he how he's structured things, how he set up things, how he rules, how he reigns um, but I, I, I want to put um, a few things in context. Um, a government refers to a governing body or someone that's that's reigning um, over a, uh, a people group, a region, In this case, we're talking about um, God's government, which looks like Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning. Um, Heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. And everyone who part, we we just partook in the body and blood of Jesus because um, he grafted us and adopted us into his royal family and we've decided to follow him. So now those who decide to follow him become part of him. This is, it says we abide in Him. We are in Him. We're one with Him. We are seated with Him in the heavenly places. And how many of you know um, we we pray for for the kingdom of God to come all the time? Uh, we ask the Lord to usher in the kingdom. And I would I would say that. That's how the Lord governs. Is when He ushers in His kingdom. the The fruit of that, like you know, the Lord is is reigning and governing there. Does that make sense? When His kingdom is manifested, you see the will of God fulfilled. We, Matt and Clay and I, Clay and I were talking about about that today. When the kingdom of God is manifested, you know the will of God is fulfilled, and and God wanted to show how He governs through the life of Jesus. If you want to know the will of God, you you just study the life of Jesus because Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing and he only said what he heard the Father saying. So if you want to know how God governs, you have to look at Jesus. I'm going to talk about, a. am going to take a little tangent on the subject though and and, and talk about our value of God's government. I wrote it down today. Let me find it real quick. Um, Our the way that we want to position ourselves when we talk about God's government and the value we have for it is Jesus reigns on the throne of David and is constantly expanding his kingdom through modern day priests who minister to him. Jesus reigns on the throne of David and is constantly expanding his kingdom through modern day priests who minister to him. Some of you are like, what did you just say? I'll unpack it as as we go through uh, through some scriptures on um, on God's government today and, and and what that looks like. in In the book of Revelation, we see um, we see the activity of heaven. It's written by. Uh, the beloved disciple John, and he gets this, this this vision, and and we can know that when he wrote Revelation 4 and 5, we can get a glimpse into what is happening in heaven. And I, I think it's super awesome that during worship today, uh, I just want you guys to know that we were actually mimicking heaven when we were singing, uh, open the scroll, break the seal, who is worthy, who is worthy. That is what is happening in heaven right now. We see this in the book of Revelation. Rachel read through it and then Taylor sang it. We are just all listening to the Lord this week, weren't we? (laughs) Revelation five, um, John writes this, and I saw that the one seated on the throne was holding in his right hand an unopened scroll with writing on the inside and on the outside. And it was sealed with seven seals. Then I saw an incredibly powerful angel proclaiming with a great loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll? and able to break its seven seals, but no person could be found living or dead in all of creation. No one was worthy to open the scroll and read its contents. So I broke down weeping with intense sorrow because there was found no one worthy to break open the scroll and read its contents. Then one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the mighty lion of Judah's tribe, the root of David, he has conquered. He is the worthy one who can open the scroll and its seven seals." Then I saw a young lamb standing before the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the 24 elders. He appeared to have been slaughtered, but now alive. He had seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God out to the ends of the earth. Basically the activity in heaven, we can see that heaven is beckoning the lamb of God to break open um, to break open the seal and open the scrolls. Um, there's a phrase that's being thrown around now, Maranatha, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. That's what it basically means, come Lord Jesus. And the church in the earth is starting to catch um, this language of, of, of mimicking what's happening in heaven where they're basically saying, come Lord Jesus. If I could sum up what's, what's happening in heaven, it's that. It's, a, it's the bride of Christ, the body of Christ beckoning the bridegroom to come. That's what's happening in heaven. And and if you look if you want to know what God's government is like, it looks like a king sitting on the throne with with its people beckoning that king to come. I want to read a f- quite a few verses um, to just kind of unpack like what I, what I mean uh, when I refer to, to the government of God. Uh, the first one, and keep in mind this, uh, everything in the earth is a shadow of things to come. Everything in the earth is a shadow of things to come. You read, you read through the Bible with that lens. I encourage you to read through that Bi- the Bible with that, that lens, especially the Book of Hebrews. It talks about like uh, animal sacrifices, the way that the temple was set up. Everything was a shadow of what's happening in heaven. So keep that in mind as I read these verses. Isaiah nine six through seven. You don't have to turn there, but if you want to write the verses down, you can go through them later. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Who's this? Yay. A son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The point I want us to take away from that is Jesus came to revive the throne of David. We see here that God's government and peace will continue to increase and have no end. That's incredible if you think about it. The peace of God will continue to increase and have no end. Man, what's well, gonna be like a million years from now and like we're experiencing more peace? That's a little hard to comprehend. But the main, the main point I want you to take away from this is that Jesus came to revive the throne of David. What is the throne of David and why is that important and what does that have to do with what we're doing here tonight? We'll get to that. 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13. What did I say? Second Samuel, verse 7, 12 through 13. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. He's talking about David here. I'll be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. He's talking about Jesus establishing the kingdom of uh, the throne of David when, when Jesus comes. 1 Chronicles 17, 10 through 14. 1 Chronicles 17, 10 through 14. From the time that I appointed, let me see if I got that right. First Chronicles. Yeah, 17. All right. From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will subdue all your enemies. Moreover, I declare to you that the Lord will build you a house. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I'll be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Jesus came to establish his kingdom, and his throne will be established forever. Luke, I want to go to Luke 1, 32 through 33. Talking about Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. We see here that God gives Jesus the throne of David, and he will reign forever. And Amos 9 11 through 12. Amos 9, 11 through 12 it says, on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David. What What's up with all the throne of David, tabernacle of David? Why is Jesus, why is God giving Jesus the the throne of David? Have You guys ever thought of that before? This is a, you can talk to me. You guys ever thought of that before? Like why the throne of David? Why is that important here? And what, what in the world are we, like why does it apply to us? Why does it matter? Um, in Amos 9, 11 through 12, the Hebrew word for tabernacle is, uh, I hope I'm saying this right, sukkah. Am I saying that right, Matt? I feel like you would know that. You know that, suka? Okay, yes. Which means, uh, that's what I said. Uh, do you know what that means? Sounds like a good food, doesn't it? But it means a booth <laughs> or a shelter and refers to a temporary makeshift shelters made of branches and leaves. So when God's saying here in, in Amos lost it in Amos 9 11 through 12 that he will he will raise up the the tabernacle of David um, during Amos's time this word referred like the word of Sukkah uh, the word for tabernacle in Hebrew um, during Amos's time this this word referred to cattle shelters or the temporary shanties the Israelites uh, constructed to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles but in the context of this passage Amos referring to Israel to Israel as as the shelter of David, which would translate to the people of that time as as Israel being damaged, fallen, and in ruins, because they were, it's just a makeshift shanty. They would have thought this to be ridiculous because in the natural, they were experiencing prosperity and military victory. However, Amos was referring to their spiritual state, and they would have gotten the picture. That would have really grabbed their attention. Calling them the sukkah of David was meant to grab their attention and cut them to their heart. They weren't an invincible empire. So what does he mean by he will, he will resurrect the tabernacle of David? Why is that such a big deal and why does he want to give that to Jesus to establish and reign from forever? Forever. We have to look at David's reign in the Old Testament. What did David do that was so special? Why was no other throne included when, when God said he will give Jesus the throne of David? What was it about David? So if you study the life of David, you, we all know David was a man after God's own heart, right? Why? Why was David a man after God's own heart? And this is fascinating to me because David did not have the book of Revelation you guys ever thought about that? He did not, he couldn't read about Revelation, the Revelation we read, and we, we can get a glimpse into what's happening in heaven. David did not have the book of Revelation to read from, but he he totally flipped um, the people of God, the whole society, the whole city, to revolve around the throne of, of heaven. He took the, the Levites, who were chosen by God because they refused to worship idols in the Old Testament. God chose the Levites and he, he basically gave them a mandate to minister to his heart forever. That, that calling spans the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's why we see in 1 Peter, I believe, where, where uh, it says that, that we are now a royal priesthood. It means to pick up the calling of the Levite and minister to God's heart, to lift Jesus up. So, God chose the Levites as priests that would go into the Holy of Holies and actually take care of God's heart. David comes into the city during his reign and the first thing he does is he says, Levites, I'm gonna hire you to set up shop in the middle of the city and worship God 24-7. David set up worship and prayer 24-7 from the center of the city, making God's government, establishing God's government as the epicenter of the city, which Resulted in Israel flourishing and prospering. Have you guys ever read about that before? It's fascinating. And and when 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 God says, "I will give my son the throne of David and establish his reign forever," that's what he's talking about. That like David tapped into God's heart way before it should have been tapped into. David did not have. Um, The indwelling of the Holy Spirit like we have today. David was not covered in the blood of Jesus like we like we are today. David did not have access to the kind of relationship that we have with God. Yet for some reason, I I believe a spirit of revelation came upon David because he decided to take action and replicate what was happening in heaven in a physical city on earth. Am I making sense? So as far as like our value for God's government, we believe, a lot of people are like, man, live, live life as a Christian and usher in the kingdom of God. How many of you have heard that? Like, the kingdom of God's gonna break through when you do this, when you do this, when you do this. What if, and how many of you know you can't have a kingdom without a king? And the kingdom comes with the king. So if the king is set up as the center of everything you do, the kingdom will come. In the way that he wants to bring it, because a, a lot of us take the, the the kingdom, which is the fruit of a king, and we try and we take that fruit and we try and make it happen ourselves. Meaning, like, man, I want to see miracles. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really go after miracles tonight. What if that's not God's heart tonight? What if His heart is is to to bring salvation and deliverance? What if his heart is to is to care for the broken? What if his heart is to feed the hungry? What if his heart is a practical thing to do? What if his heart tonight is, is to learn more? You don't know unless he shows up and does the thing. You can't have the kingdom without the king. And a lot of saints are trying to have, are trying to manifest the kingdom of God without them, with without the king, because we're so interested in seeing the fruit happen. But our whole value system is, no, we wanna recognize that that the king is here and we wanna establish his name, lift him up above everything else. And when we lift him up, there are so many things that happen, he says, when you lift up my name, I will draw all men unto me. W- Jesus calls himself the mighty counselor, the uh, wonderful counselor, mighty prince of peace, healer, he's the healer, he's a, he's a teacher, he's a friend, he's a father. What if we actually let him be those things to all people instead of trying to craft it ourselves? When, when we say, no, we're gonna set up shop and have establish the king here, we wanna, we wanna replicate heaven because that's how we do that. What's going on in heaven right now? They're saying, come, Lord Jesus. They're worshiping Jesus. They're throwing their crowns at his feet. They're giving him what he is worth. And Jesus prays, our Father, uh, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What's happening in heaven? Worship, adoration, praise, intimacy. Jesus is speaking. There's intercession. So that needs to happen here. And if the government of God is, is Jesus sitting on the throne at the right hand of the father. And that's the activity happening. I I think one of the best ways to, um, to bring the kingdom of God down here is to simply copy what heaven's doing. David did that in the old Testament when he said, Levites, I'm going to hire you. He paid $30 million a month. Did you know that? David paid $30 million a month to have 24-7 worship and prayer going. And literally, the, the, the nation of Israel had never been as prosperous it was as it was after David did that. David sets up the government of God. Uh, God will be known in this city. He will be the center of attention. Everything, he is the foundation of this city. And the city prospered societally. A- every area of that city prospered. And that's why God says, I'm going to give my son, Jesus, the throne of David and establish his kingdom and he will reign forever and his government and his peace will never stop increasing. David found out that God's heart was for, for worship and prayer. Those two things. That's what David tapped into that we can really, really, really learn from today. It's simply about lifting Jesus up, mimicking him. (laughs) When we fix our gaze on him, he expands his kingdom through us and we're the vehicle for his dominion to grow on the earth. We are his body, not the head. When the head is in its proper place, the body functions correctly. David made God the, literally the center of his city and everything was centered around God. They continually worshiped him and ministered to him, therefore giving foundation for a society to thrive. What's up, Millie? <laughs> so I would argue to say that God's government is established when the people of God, the body of Christ, position the head in the right place. If, if one of us takes the position of the head, We are in deep, 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 deep trouble. And I know there's awesome giftings. There's awesome anointings. I know God gave apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, all to bless the body. And those are needed. But as soon as as a man or a ministry takes the position of the head of Christ, we are in trouble. We're in heresy. We're in error. It's It's just never, ever, ever go there. Jesus, we never want to go there. God's government is established simply by making him the center of our gatherings, positioning the head, aka Jesus, as the center of our gatherings. We have a phrase we like to use here that he is the leader of the house. We never want to do anything that he's not doing. We only want to do what he's doing. We only want to say what he's doing. And tonight, I think we did a fairly good job replicating heaven because we did exactly what was in Revelation 5. And I felt the anointing on that. I felt the anointing on that, come Lord Jesus, especially with what's going on in our world today. We need to be a people that positions him in his rightful place, and if we don't do that, we are in grave, grave error. And too many, too many churches, too many leaders are going after the fruit of the kingdom instead of the king, and letting the, the fruit come from being connected to the king. When we gather from man, this is not replicating heaven in any way, why are you here, why are we here? If it's about you, if it's a, if about you getting to minister to someone in a cool and powerful way, I'm just going to tell you this isn't the place. Yet, how, have you not seen every gathering we've had? People have been healed, people have been saved, people have been delivered. Why? Because I believe that Jesus is being positioned in his rightful place and he is becoming all things to all people. And and yet, it's not about doing the ministry, but when you when you position Jesus on the throne of your heart and on the throne of of your gatherings, he the, the, the inevitable fruit of that is he activates you into what you were always called to do. Some of you are called to be evangelists. Some of you are called to give prophetic words. Some of you are called to teach. Some of you are called to preach. Some of you are called to be apostolic that the foundation is when you place Jesus on the throne of your hearts and make him your first priority, not to go after your calling, but to go after the one who gave you your calling. And in doing so, you give him yourself and he gives you back himself. And it's it's that exchange that gets you activated to do the things that you really do wanna do. Am I making sense? But so many of us attack it from a perspective of, I'm so passionate about this, I have to see this done, I will find a problem to this, or they take all their problems to church leadership and say, solve this societal problem, and that's not gonna happen because that is, that, that is going, I'm telling you right now, that's gonna be solved when Jesus is lifted up in your midst, he becomes the answer for every question you've been asking. He may not be the right answer you've been looking for, or the or the solution you've been looking for. But there, there's a story, in, I, I believe it's First Chronicles chapter twenty that illustrates this. I, I believe in the most beautiful way. Um, uh, the people of God. There was a huge army coming against the people of God. They they said, "Oh no, you know what do we do?" Um, the leadership of of the nation of uh, of God. They get together and they say, "We're going to seek His face." And I love, 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 love that because the leadership did not provide an answer to the problem. They said, we're gonna seek his face. They recognized, you know, we don't need to brainstorm. How many times do we get, to, we see a problem and then we, we, we schedule meeting after meeting and conference call to actually provide a solution to the problem instead of seeking his face, which is the answer to the problem. So leadership in 1st Chronicles chapter 20 says, we as a nation are going to seek the face of God. They all gather together. They start praying. The Holy Spirit lands on one rando in the middle of thousands of people and he prophesies the answer saying, set, send out the worshipers first and watch what God will do. Some of you probably know this story. Some of you maybe don't. It says, send the worshipers and watch what God will do. That's in a paraphrase. Go read it if I encourage you to read it. Um, so the leadership recognizes, hey, the Holy Spirit landed and activated this person. Let's get behind him and actually you know, do what he says because he's he's hearing from the Lord. So they do that. They send out worshipers. Uh, the, the, the enemy comes and God completely destroys them. That is, in a nutshell, the government of heaven. Starts with gathering to seek his face, elevate him above every problem, every, uh, thing we're passionate about, every gifting. We elevate the Lord above everything else. He activates his people. There's an exchange because we place him as the highest priority. And then he activates us. He sets us on fire. He awakens us to what we were called to do. And all of a sudden, I guarantee there's a, there's a seed in each of your hearts that's actually an answer to societal problems. But if you would if you would elevate Jesus in your life and seek his face, you will come alive and you will actually probably become the answer to the problem that you're passionate about, okay? So God lands on one person, he says, he gives out the answer, they rally behind it. Worship and prayer and the government of heaven, God, God's government, God rules and reigns. Worship, do you see the connection? Okay. First Chronicles twenty. It might be Second Chronicles twenty, but I'm pretty sure it's First Chronicles twenty. While we're not here for people, people get taken care of because of the foundation. The government, the government of heaven, is being built by Him. There's a verse. Many of you know it. Um, Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. There's no point in building something that the Lord's not building. (laughs) And especially if Jesus is not positioned as the seat of authority, whatever we're building is not gonna work. It's not gonna stand. Unless God's government is established where Jesus is sitting on a throne in his rightful place and we are positioned as his body, nothing will ever, 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 ever work. (laughs) I'm very passionate about this. We wanna make sure that we're shadowing what's going on in heaven and not trying to build what we think heaven is like. We don't know the answer to the latter. We can get glimpses. Uh, we do know uh, We do know what heaven looks like a little bit. Uh, we do know that there's a throne with a king and everyone is gathered around unto him, giving him what he is worth. You cannot build something where you... you Build something that you where you think you know what heaven looks like without actually spending time in the secret place, in the corporate place, gathering, lifting him up. If all you do is just you're passionate about a certain thing, but you never seek the face of God, you're gonna have a skewed vision. Does that make sense? Every prayer set we do, we go in with thanksgiving, with praise, with worship, and then we hear what the Lord is saying. There's a reason for that, because when you give thanks, you, you, you give away your right to be entitled to anything, because you're, you're not worthy, we're not worthy of anything he offers, but he gives it freely. Therefore, we become a people of thanksgiving, positioning ourselves uh, as, as recognizing, you know, Jesus, you have done everything possible. You shed your blood, you broke your body, we are so, so thankful. And when you spend 10 minutes in thanksgiving, you begin to see Jesus really, really clearly. And then that moves you into being able to praise him, declaring who he is. Seeing him for who he is, the result of that should be praise, And after praise, you'll find the Holy Spirit shifting you into worship, which is just adoration, if I could simplify worship. I believe worship is adoration. You are shipping him what he is worth. And after you do that, I promise you, you'll begin to hear his voice. So how can we build anything that's gonna replicate heaven if we're not in the secret place pursuing Jesus, thanking him, praising him, worshiping him, and listening for what he's saying? It's not gonna happen. We're not trying to build heaven with our own cultures mixed in, our culture where we came from, how we think, our customs, our tradition. Uh, None of it matters. Why? Because we're now grafted into the family of God and we've become ambassadors of heaven completely brand new. Therefore, we think, act, speak, move differently than the culture we came from. You guys hear that? You were born again. You were born again. The traditions of man will not carry over into heaven. It's not going to happen. There, you are brand new, you have a new dad. You have a new dad. You don't have the old earthly dad that you thought you had and God is nothing like him. You have a new father, you have new brothers and sisters and are the culture of heaven because you are an ambassador of Christ and the mo- I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, the more time you spend establishing the government of, of, of God in the secret place where Jesus sits on the throne of your heart, you will look at him and you will become more and more like him every single day. Why, because you become what you worship. You become what you look at. And the way that we establish God's, God's kingdom here is to place Jesus in the seat of authority in our lives. Look at him, become like him. Uh, we become obsessed with him. We're now grafted in the family of God. We mimic heaven the best we know how. Gather for him, unto him, and give him what he's worth. We don't worry about city transformation, unity, discipleship, evangelism, or being relevant. We don't worry about city transformation, unity, discipleship, evangelism, or being relevant. We don't worry about that. That sounds bad. What I just said sounds bad, doesn't it? (laughs) I heard it coming out of my mouth. (laughs) Why? those are fruits. I'm gonna, I hope this challenges some of your thinking. City transformation's a fruit of Jesus being lifted up in your city. Discipleship is a fruit of knowing him. Evangelism is, is a fruit. Evangelism is the overflow of being filled by him. You can't help but give him away. Being relevant, who cares? Being relevant never helped anyone. Because it, I, I've, the the more people I've interacted with and and shared the gospel with, the it, the the presentation is not what what got them. The Holy Spirit is the one that got them. That grabbed a hold of their hearts. They were ripe because the Lord drew them. Again, you lift Jesus up; He'll draw all men unto Himself. It's almost set up to where we can't fail if we just position Jesus where He's supposed to be. So why do we try and build it any other way? I do not know. I don't have an answer to that. All I know is that we have a value for Jesus being sit- seated at, on the throne of our gatherings. And he's the leader of the house. And the fruit naturally, naturally grows because he is the source of all things. I dare you, just watch who you'll become when you recognize he's the leader of this house. His government is here. All we do is fix our gaze on him and give him what he's worth and you'll find yourself becoming like him. All because you allowed God to reign in your hearts. We may do church a little bit differently than other churches that you've came from or been a part of. I've been a part of the same church for uh, 30 years. 30 years, and I, I'm i doing things way differently than them. I want to love them and honor them and, and value them, but I've just tasted and seen the goodness of God. Matt, we want to love them and value them, right? <laughs> but we've tasted and seen the goodness of God. The Our response should not be, we know better than you. No, 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 no. No, 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 because if you taste it and seen, you realize that Jesus' heart breaks for them, and that He wants the bride of Christ to be beautiful. What husband doesn't doesn't admire their wife and say, "You are beautiful, you are light, you are gorgeous." Jesus's intention for the bride. How, how many scriptures are there where he, he adorns, in Song of Solomon, uh, says that that she, the bride is adorned with, with jewels, with uh, with a robe of righteousness, with a headdress. There's so many verses where Jesus is beautifying his bride. Ephesians, it talks about the husband washing the wife with the water of the word. Jesus is always speaking over his bride, but because we haven't positioned him in the right place in our gatherings, we're not hearing him, and we're not actually stepping into the beautification that's his word. He's not not speaking it's just that I think our main focus of our gatherings is for a ministry or to receive something good. Uh, if you go to church once a week to get a shot in the arm to survive till next week, that's not, the, that's not the reason to be in church. The reason to be in church is to be the bride of Christ, to be his body and let the head do the directing, to lift him up, to worship him, to engage in your relationship with him. If you need a man to feed you what only Jesus can, you're in trouble. Jesus is your shepherd. And what I see for this house and the value that we have on God being established here as the ruler and the leader of the house is that you would recognize that he's the source of all things and that you need a secret place commitment. You need to be committed to the secret place, alone time with Jesus, weekly if not daily, daily if not hourly. Committed to a secret place time with the Lord so that when we actually gather, we can actually be on the same page with one another and say, we're actually here to lift up Jesus. We're here to mimic what's going on in heaven. And because when that happens, I've seen it happen before and I never want to do anything else. When we replicate heaven and establish God's throne here, the king is in the room and he does what only he can do. There's a corporate anointing that I believe that the Lord is asking us to pursue that that is not in Indianapolis right now. And I, need, I, need, I want it here. <laughs> I need it here. The Lord wants it here in the middle of the city. We're not here for city transformation. We're not here for evangelism. We're not here for discipleship. We're here to sit at his feet and let him beautify the bride of Christ. Because when the world sees a bride that is lovesick for, with Jesus, they'll be like, I need that because you're showing me right now a piece I've never known, a piece that I don't think I can ever get, and I need to know where you get that thing. And we can say, I know the source of that thing. Let me show you, because we've spent time with the source. We've positioned him in, the, in his rightful place in our gatherings, he, he's on the throne of our hearts on the weekdays, on the weekends, and we know him. So in a nutshell, answering the question of what is God's government, I don't know all the answers. I just know that when he's here, the kingdom comes, his will is done, uh, like what we see in the life of Jesus, and our value is to position him so that we can see his reign and rule on the earth. There are a lot of things that we won't see until the other side of eternity, but I don't wanna live in regret of what I could possibly see because I didn't press in more here. Do you guys hear that? I don't. I would rather get to heaven and say, and Jesus look at me and say, ah, you you really went after it too much. (laughs) You really pressed into me too much. I'd rather him say that than, man, there was so much more available because you didn't press in. You didn't see it happen. And I believe that especially in the younger generations, they're looking for authenticity. They're looking at someone who has a real relationship with Jesus. That's not just the Sunday morning gathering one or two hours a week. That's how I, uh, that's how my life was changed. I saw Matt live out an authentic, real relationship with Jesus that I did not have. And I didn't know how I could get. And there was no formula to it. It, it, it required me to press in. And I want there to be a people in downtown Indianapolis that have a real authentic relationship with Jesus all because we recognize that there's a king seated on the throne and his government and peace have no end and we need to position him in our midst in his rightful place. Amen. Uh, if you could just just stand with me and, and I'll close us, and then we can hang out and have some fun. Uh, just put, let's just put our hands over our hearts and say, Jesus... You are the ruler of my life, my family, my city, my community. Teach me, Holy Spirit, how to position you where you need to be in my life. You are my teacher. You are my shepherd. You are my helper. You are my healer. And you are my father. You take care of me. You are the source of all my needs. I come alive when you speak to me. I will never be the same when I taste and see that you are good. Mark me forever, God. Make me a person of your presence. I never want to go back. Amen. love you guys. Um, just hang out, pray over one another. Um, if you don't know somebody here, get to know them, uh, give people just, yeah, just commune together. I just sense the, just the enjoyment of the Lord tonight. Um, he's so, 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 so good. Um, so thank you guys. We'll see you next week. Wednesday morning prayer set. Jesus is the only reason. Amen. (laughs)